channel open, welcome back to Weekly Trek, a proud member of the Tricorder Transmissions podcast network. I am your host, Alex Perry. What's today's date? The date. Today's show was recorded on March 7th, 2019, and is current through the Star Trek Discovery Season 2 episode, If Memory Serves. So beware of spoilers. All right, let's get into the show. Good day, Voyager, and welcome to A Briefing with Neelix. It's a catchy title, isn't it? Weekly Trek is a 30-minute news show covering the biggest stories from the Star Trek franchise. We're in a new golden age of Star Trek. There are four television shows at some point on the production schedule. We know of at least one more that's almost certainly on the way, and enough merchandise to fill the Bajoran wormhole. So stick with me, and I'll help you sort the real facts from a lot of the Dominion propaganda that you'll find online. But I can't do this alone, and my guest this week is Jessica Shaffalo. Jessica, welcome to Weekly Trek. Thank you so much for having me. So Jessica, I ask my guests this every week, but I want to know something that's got you excited about Star Trek at the moment. What's got you moving at Warp 10? Well, since it's Thursday, I have to answer that it's the latest Star Trek Discovery episode. Yes. I loved the retro tie-in they did with the uh, unaired original pilot of The Cage. I absolutely love how they tied in Captain Pike's backstory. Um, I liked that they they went back to the Talos system. I loved how they redid the Talosians themselves, but I felt like they still kept it really true to the feel of that pilot. And it worked really well with the storyline and just was a great feel for people who are a fan of the original series. It was amazing. And tonight's episode is, not surprisingly, also my choice for something that's got me feeling good about Star Trek this week. There was so much to enjoy about this. It really was a love letter to 54 years of the Star Trek franchise. It felt like this was Star Trek returning to its beginning again in more ways than one. We had Spock, we had Talos Four, we had Blue Plants, we had the tinny atmospheric noise uh, recreated from the cage. We had Pike, who I felt like for the first time kind of had a really strong connection with Jeffrey Hunter's portrayal of the character in the cage. Loved the appearance of the original series footage at the beginning. I think I might have a new favorite episode of Star Trek Discovery, finally knocking New Eden off of the top spot, which has been there for the last six weeks. Do you think this might be your favorite, Jessica? Yeah, absolutely. I I loved that Pike, who we have seen, be so confident. I feel like we're starting to see, you know, some other sides to him uh, with the show. You know, him admitting to Ash Tyler, you know, when he had been in the sort of that time vortex in the shuttle, uh, you know, and then I felt like in this episode, you know, you see his emotional reaction to seeing Vina. So I like that he's getting a little more humanized and not just always being, you know, that strong captain at the helm of the ship. I, I felt like uh, this episode really helped give a chance to to show a different side when when she showed up. Um, also when he saw Spock again at, at the end for the first time and, and they were reunited, I thought that was a really great moment. So overall, I, I loved this episode to, to dive us more into Pike's character outside of, you know, just being the captain. And my favorite, one of my favorite moments from this episode was the Star Trek IV, the Voyage Home caliber joke of say goodbye, Spock, goodbye, Spock. <laughs> Oh, yes. That was great. <laughs> well, I think weaving in 
more and more just great one-liners, whether it's just in, in the turbo lift or I love that. And it, it feels so classic, classic track. Well, and they're also not afraid to poke fun at themselves. There's also that fun little line around where Burnham says to Spock, do you really think the beard is working for you? Yes. And somehow I feel like those lines, you know, they can come across cheesy, but they never do. You know, I, I smile every single time and the actors, they deliver them beautifully. And, and like you said, they're very self-aware about the jokes, which I think is why they don't come across cheesy. They, they land well every time. <laughs> That's right. Well, that is our mini disco trek for the episode, uh, which I'm super thrilled with because this is a big Picard week and not a big discovery week after last week's news about the renewal for season three. So let's dive into the week's top stories. There's a war going on, and I'm a reporter. So as I mentioned, this is a huge week in the Picard show. We have new actors cast, we have a director for the first two episodes, and we have some detail around the production timeline for the show. So let's take these one at a time, and we'll start off with the biggest news of the week, which is that we have our first two confirmed cast members joining Sir Patrick Stewart on the as-yet-untitled Picard show. And those actors are Michelle Hurd, who you might previously have seen on NBC's Blind Spots and Fox's Lethal Weapon, and Santiago Cabrera, who is no secret to, uh, <laughs> pun intended, no secret to a secret hideout production, previously been on CBS's Salvation, and was also on HBO's Big Little Lies. Uh, we don't know anything more about who the characters they're playing are. The press release did not say um, which character these actors would be playing, but this is getting really real now, Jessica. I mean, we have actors in confirmed roles. We are staring down the gun at them uh, about to go before the camera and start shooting. Do you know either of these two actors? Have you seen any of the things that they've been in? So I haven't seen them in anything other than Santiago Cabrera. I did see him uh, in the show Merlin. And I think what I like, though, is as somebody who I, I largely restrict my TV viewing to science fiction, which is probably why I haven't seen them. And so for me, I'm excited that they're bringing new fresh characters in They're They're not relying on um, solely on, you know, next gen actors to come in and, and support him. I'm looking to see uh, Sir Patrick Stewart bounce off of new people, but because they are, have such a great, TV and, and movie list behind each of them. I'm hoping it might attract new viewers who maybe aren't Star Trek fans and can't believe that I haven't seen them in anything. Maybe they'd be interested and check out the show and it, it brings in some some new Trekkies. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what both of them do. And I, as you said, I'm excited to see some names confirmed because I've been nervous to be so hopeful about the Picard show. I keep waiting for there to be a reason why it, it needs to be canceled or, or it's not going to happen. And, and like you said, it's getting real. They can't take it away from us now. They've got people signed up. So great to see. We are all a little bit traumatized from the Discovery production in which the premiere was delayed, I think, three times in the end from its initial release date through to when we actually got Star Trek Discovery season one. So yeah, I had always had that concern in the back of my mind that, okay, they say it's coming at the end of this year or the beginning of next year, but they said that Discovery was going to come in, it, I think it was supposed to be like late 2016, and ultimately it didn't premiere until the fall of 2017. 
which would be nearly a year's worth of delays. So I thought, you know, well, maybe something like that's going to happen. But it seems like that's not the case. And it's all systems go on the Picard show. I guess now they have to make sure they are fitting the production in around when they want Discovery Season 3 to air, when they want Lower Decks to air, when they want Section 31 to air, means that they have less leeway in terms of doing that thing. The only thing that I have seen uh, either of these actors in is Michelle Hurd was one of the original cast members for Law and Order Special Victims Unit. So I've a bunch of those episodes and, and enjoyed her performance there. Um, as I said, we have no character details about the characters on the show, but you may have seen circulating around the internet, there is a supposedly a breakdown of the sort of six or seven cast members who will be joining Sir Patrick Stewart as Picard with descriptions with names and descriptions of those characters. I'm not going to talk any more about that here. There is no real sourcing behind that. Obviously, we know casting's underway because they've casted these two characters, but until I see some kind of confirmation around who these actors are playing to match that against the casting breakdown that is circulating, I'm going to take it with a with a big pinch of salt. I mean, when Ethan Peck was cast as Spock, he was given audition sides that didn't even say that he was auditioning for the role of Spock. So there's definitely a lot of really tight security around the show and it's entirely possible that the character breakdowns even if they really are the character breakdowns aren't actually the characters that these actors will end up playing in order to kind of maintain some of that secrecy so jessica i don't know if you've seen this floating around on the internet or not but if you do i would take it with a big big pinch of salt right and i think until until they release it officially i, I don't even like to look at the gossip too much because you know it takes your mind in a, a completely different direction and and before you know it you've you've let your imagination get away from you and it snowballed and i don't want to be uh you know disappointed or i don't want to get too attached to one idea or another i, I just want to i want to be surprised i think that's the right philosophy i want to see what they want to show me i don't want to come into it with too many preconceived ideas of what i want out of it because inevitably it almost certainly won't match up to that. Though the one thing I will take to my grave is wanting Jonathan Frakes as William Riker reprising his role for at least some cameo in this show. But that's the only thing I promise. Well, and I feel like there's going to be some great cameos. They can't do the show without it. I mean, Star Trek fans, they know that we are going to demand it. <laughs> they will hear from us if there's not. And it seems like the cast, they're all such a, on such great terms and have still love for the franchise that I can't imagine there would be many of them who aren't willing, if not chomping at the bit, to, to at least pop up in the show. So something to look forward to. Yes, this isn't a William Shatner and his castmates situation where by the end of the movies, they couldn't stand being in the same room as each other anymore. Yeah. So we have our first actors. We also have our first officially confirmed director. So last week, we talked about Jonathan Frakes' comments on a podcast around how he was expecting to direct an episode of The Picard Show. But there's been no official confirmation that that's happening, though 
since he said it, that almost certainly means it's happening. But we did get our first official announcement of a director for the Picard show. Director Hanel Culpepper, who actually directed Vaulting Ambition from the first season of Star Trek Discovery, will be directing the first two episodes of the Picard show, which makes me think it's probably a two-parter. She's actually the first woman to direct a Star Trek pilot. And I think She's the first person of color to direct a Star Trek pilot as well, which I think is fabulous because the show has, this franchise has done a lot to push the boundaries of providing opportunities for people from all kinds of diverse backgrounds, both in front of and behind the camera. So very, very exciting that they chose Hanel to kind of kick us off with showing us the return of Sir Patrick Stewart to television and i have to say i thought vaulting ambition was really well directed that final sequence where burnham says i don't think my captain's from my universe i think he's from yours was really really well done and if hanel can bring that kind of that kind of energy to this show and innovative directing style. I think we're in for something really really special. Jessica, what do you think about this? Uh, so I'm really excited as well because i think Sometimes uh, we almost take for granted that Star Trek is such a a groundbreaking franchise and it has been since its inception where it's had a lot of firsts, particularly in terms of representation. Um, And so it's always a nice, uh, a nice jolt to hear another new first that the show is still able to do here in 2019. Uh, I love that they're not resting on their laurels, right? They're still trying to find ways that, that they can, um, uh, be progressive and and give us a treat. And I agree. I, I actually really liked Vaulting Ambition. And I have to say, if you're directing an episode that has a mirror universe tie-in, you know, you have to have some skill. And she certainly handled it skillfully because there are so many nuances in not only how it's shot, but how characters are bouncing off of each other because they're acting that they're acting often when they're trying to uh, fit in into that Terran empire. So uh, if she had any hand in how that episode turned out, I'm not worried about her taking the helm for Picard. Agreed. It's actually one of my favorite episodes of the first season because I totally did not see the Mirror Lorca reveal coming. I remember after episode eight, when people started talking about it, I was like, no way that's going to be the case. And then Vaulting Ambition happened. and 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 I was like, Oh my goodness, this is amazing. Um, so that actually is one of my favorite episodes of season one. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, they really they really tricked us into liking Lorca. You know, I feel like normally you can get a good feel for a character and, you know, they can make things ominous and you feel like something bad's going to happen. But, man, I got attached to Lorca right away in the show. And, and there are so many ways that... Uh, they really make him endearing to you that that surprised uh, same thing. I didn't see it coming. It really hit me. <laughs> so uh, great episode. Great, great episode. So from both of us, a huge good luck to Hanel Culpepper as she prepares to start shooting the as yet unnamed Picard show on what we believe will be April the 14th, and where we believe we'll be at the Santa Clarita Studios in Santa Clarita, California, which is about 35 minutes north of Stage 18 of Paramount Pictures, which is where the bridge set for The Next Generation stood for seven years, and that 
stage was in use from the motion picture pretty much all the way through the end of Enterprise. Um, so not quite in Los Angeles itself, but uh, Santa Clarita is a big area for uh, Hollywood filming. Uh, we've known for a couple of months that the Picard show was not going to film in Toronto like Star Trek Discovery, that uh, as a result of a large incentive package that the California government put together, that the studio had agreed to shoot it in California. We wouldn't be surprised if Sir Patrick Stewart had something to do with uh, encouraging the studio to shoot it there because I know he has a home there. And according to Production Weekly, the estimated start date for shooting the show will be April the 14th, which is right around the corner. Super, super exciting. The other really interesting thing about the Production Weekly listing for the Picard show is that it actually gives the show a name. And it's a name we've heard before. It's Star Trek Destiny. Now, Destiny, for those who have been following this for the past eight months since the show was first announced, was one of the uh, show names that was trademarked by CBS shortly after the Picard show was announced, along with Lower Decks, which ultimately ended up becoming the animated show, uh, Star Trek Reliant, which we've not heard anything more about. I think there were a couple of trademarks also around the con idea that Nicholas Meyer put forward that we've since heard is on hold. Um, so I guess entirely possible that the Picard show ends up being called Star Trek Destiny. If that's the case, I'm still a little bit unclear why they won't just go ahead and tell us that that's the name. If that's been decided, it doesn't seem like it's that big of a spoiler. Sir Patrick Stewart had previously indicated in one of his interviews that part of the reason why they were not giving us the title was because it gave something important away about the show. I don't know that Star Trek Destiny does that, but that could be the name of the show, in which case I'm a big fan. I'm also a big fan of the Destiny trilogy of novels. Jessica, Star Trek Destiny, does that work for you? It works for me because it's Picard. I think, you know, a lot of characters, um, I don't know if I would like the name as much, but particularly with the teasers on the storyline that we've got, I think we're all interested to see where he's at in his in his life and his career, which it sounds like he's not anywhere close to where we left him in Next Generation, that ultimately, you know, we want to find out his destiny. So that would be great. But I, I also like the the shorthand nickname of people just calling it, you know, Star Trek Picard, because again, I feel like only his character, only Sir Patrick Stewart could get away with it, where we're all invested in a show just about him. Uh, I'd, I'd love to see where they take it. Yes, the uh, the Star Trek version of Logan. Just call it Picard. I would watch that. I don't need to know who else is on board. I, like I said, I think we're definitely going to get some good cameos, but I think he's one of the few characters and actors from the franchise who can fully carry a show on his shoulders alone. We, we all love Picard, and I think it'd be hard to find a Star Trek fan who wouldn't say that he's one of their favorite characters from the franchise. I am with you on that 100%. Well, shifting gears slightly, that's all the Picard show news this week. And I'm sure we've talked about this nearly every week since I took over the show in early January. And I think, especially now, shootings ramping up and casting announcements are underway. We will probably be talking about the Picard show every week or close to every week until its premiere. But let's change tracks and look back in time 
or actually look at a project that's looking back in time, that's the Deep Space Nine documentary. So this documentary, which is being put together by Eric Stephen Bear, who was the executive producer for Star Trek Deep Space Nine, which was meant to come out last year for the 25th anniversary of the show and did receive its premiere at Destination Star Trek last year in the UK. And there was a kind of premiere screening in New York and Los Angeles, uh, but there's not been a public release yet. Um, we got an update this week on the status of finishing off the documentary. So because it's premiered, we know that it's done. So what's the holdup? Why have the other crowdfunding backers not seen it yet? Why has there been no public release? Well, it turns out it is for the same exciting reason that we've known about for the last few months, which is that they are in the process of upgrading all of the episode clips included in the documentary from standard definition to high definition. So the original series, The Next Generation and Enterprise have had high definition releases for the original series and particularly for The Next Generation, those were really significant and very expensive endeavors. We have never gotten a high definition upgrade for Deep Space Nine and Voyager, which uh, if we want to skip ahead to my wish list, one of them would be let's get Deep Space Nine in high definition. And we will get a little bit of Deep Space Nine in high definition as a result of this documentary. So when they first announced it, they said it was their hope that they could include some maybe short episode clips that were in high def. But thanks to the massive support from the Star Trek fan community and including an additional small fundraiser that they did specifically for the high definition piece of it, they have the funds and are now working with CBS Digital to ensure that every episode clip in the documentary will be in high definition. And that's extremely exciting and for me, worth the wait. So according to this latest update, they're currently working on the last batch of clips to integrate into the documentary. And once that's done, they promise us that before the end of the month, we will have more of an update on when the rest of us can expect to see it. And I'm really excited. The reactions that I heard from folks who saw it at the premiere events were really, really positive. I think this is going to be really great. It's clearly a labor of love for Iris Stephen Bear. Jessica, are you excited for the DS9 documentary? Alex, I've been trying so hard not to jump in while you're talking because to be honest, this is the most exciting news for me. I'm a huge Deep Space Nine. Yes, good. Um, I actually was, like many many fans, I was uh, a backer within the first 24 hours when I heard they were raising money for for the uh, documentary because I need to see it. I need to see it as soon as possible. And it's been so hard to be patient, particularly because there really hasn't been many updates. Um, you know, there's a length of time between the ones we get, and there hasn't been a lot of updates in the portal that backers, you know, can log into. And so I think the first date they promised or, or they were hoping for was, I want to say, yeah, February of last year. And so I'm eagerly awaiting that that final date, like, like everyone else. But I can't be too upset if they're if they're making these scenes in HD because you know I understand why they they can't make Voyager in Deep Space Nine and in high def. I looked into it because I was very irritated they're not available on Blu-ray. And I guess it really just comes down to the type of film that was used at that time and can't blame them for that. It seems like a pretty pretty legitimate reason. Uh, it would just take too much time and money to try and remaster the, the type of film. So if we're getting, you know, even a few scenes, let alone it seems like they're going to be doing, you know, 20 minutes plus, it's going to be worth the wait. So can't wait. I hope we get some more updates soon, some more teasers. And 
I, I want to see it. So let's go. <laughs> let's go. That's right. And fingers crossed, they will keep their we promise to give you more information by the end of the month timeline so that we can finally get an idea of when we'll see this. Because I'm like you, I'm so excited for it. I'm barely hanging on. I, I totally understand and appreciate why it's taken a really long time for it to come out. I'm well past ready and it sounds like you are too. Absolutely. But I, I do love how Deep Space Nine seems to be a bit divisive among uh, among Star Trek fans. But the people who love it, we, we absolutely love it. And I love how quickly they were not only able to hit the fundraising goal for the documentary, but to really exceed it and to, to hit a lot of their further reaching goals. And so I, I just got to think the end product is really going to reflect that. And obviously it's something that so many people want and are excited for. And I think that's awesome. And hopefully there will be a Voyager documentary right around the corner after that. Take my money. <laughs> I'll, I'm in. Absolutely. So, Turning from Deep Space Nine back to Discovery, we have a cool bit of merchandise news from Star Trek Discovery this week. A new line of jackets from Volante Design, who have done a line of Star Trek Discovery kind of, they're not really costumes, they're jackets based on the Discovery uniform style without the kind of little mini deltas and with much more of kind of a casual outdoor wear, sort of subtle cosplay vibe to them. There are four versions, uh, three with the with the division colors for the main Discovery uniform and then a black version for Section 31. The company had previously done a line of next generation style biker jackets that were also pretty cool. But the one thing I will say is this will cost you a pretty penny. Uh, they look like they're very high quality jackets and the price matches that because they will be around $300 to get your hands on one of these jackets. Jessica, do you think you'll be buying one of these jackets? Alex, I gotta be honest, I, I'm not going to and I, I hate to <laughs> I hate to rain on the parade on these jackets, but they're absolutely beautiful. And I will say if you read the the interview with the designer, you can tell they're a true fan. I love the passion and the thought um, that they put into this jacket. They you know, they didn't wanna crank something out cheap that just knocks off discovery. You can really put a lot of thought into the design and how to capture a lot of the feel of the discovery uniforms while making it something more uh, wearable on a day-to-day basis. Um, but if I'm going to spend $330 on a jacket, I'm going to want something that's more screen accurate, you know, that I can use for cosplay. So I like the intention of this being something that's more of streetwear, but then I'm going to need the price tag to be more on par with the type of streetwear I would buy. Because again, if I come across a few hundred dollars to, to spare, um, I'm, I'm definitely going to go for something else. But I love what they did with it. And I would say uh, for any disco fans who are into the look, the zipper is off center, which I know has been uh, very contentious among cosplayers and, and some of the cheaper disco uniforms we're seeing. So that is part of them making sure they had some some accurate representation in this jacket. So that's the, the pro that I'm going to end on. That is uh, a totally fair point. If you're going to spend $300, you might as well spend $400 and get the Inovo screen-accurate Star Trek Discovery costume exactly. that you can wear to conventions and, and actually, and that comes with the pants as well. Mm-hmm. All right, we've talked about the facts. Now let's get to the fun part. You make some very good points, Captain, but it's still all speculation and theory. 
But before we leave you, it's time for our theory, wish, bit of speculation for the week about what we'd like to see from the future of the Star Trek franchise, from Discovery, from the Picard show, merchandise that we want, anything. So Jessica, let's hear your theory or wish for this week. So as we all know, CBS is teasing, you know, seven different Star Trek spinoffs, which I am down to watch all of them. But the one I'm actually most excited about, I've been not hearing as much buzz on, and that's the Starfleet Academy pitch. Okay. Because I think it is so different than a lot of... um, a lot of the existing shows within the franchise. I'd love to see something different. And I feel like a lot of times with Star Trek, what we love about it is that um, so much of the time they, they always figure it out, right? They always save the day. And I have to think if we're going through Starfleet Academy, they're not quite as seasoned. They're not quite on top of things. And I think it's a great opportunity to, to show a more lighthearted or uh, sillier, more dramatic side to Starfleet. And, we hear references throughout all the shows of these fun times, right? That they had back when they were in training and maybe they got to the, they went to the bar and they got in a fight or, or, you know, I would love to see some of that drama play out. And it, uh, it makes me think of a a Star Trek Voyager episode, actually uh, good shepherd where you see the not up to par crewmen in the ship, right? They're not performing at acceptable levels and there's a lot of comedy that comes into play there, but ultimately it's very feel good. And that's what I want to see out of Starfleet Academy. I think we've got such a great uh, fast paced drama with disco and I'm sure Picard is going to be another great serious drama that I'm down to see a little bit more on the the lighthearted comedic side with Starfleet Academy. That's my wish. I I can't wait to see more and I hope they follow through on it. Yeah, this is the one that we really have heard the least about since, I guess it was this time last year. And maybe it was a little later on in the year, Alex Kurtzman signed this deal to that said that they were going to produce all of these Star Trek TV shows and the trade publications ran. And that includes series to do x y and z and one of them was the picard show and one of them was the doing animated shows and one of them was a potential section 31 show and one of them was a starfleet academy show and we really i i've kind of read people say that in the trade publications that it's still in development but we've not gotten closer to getting a a formal announcement for that one Perhaps it's because they think the production slate is pretty full at the moment with the ones that they're working on but yeah i would really love for them to move ahead with that show i think you know again on reaching sort of a wider audience of different kinds of people who might want to see a show like that but who maybe wouldn't click with the picard show because they're you know a teenager who never saw the next generation i I think it's really important for star trek to be appealing to as many different kinds of viewers as possible and this would be another way of doing that and and giving us that star trek spin on the sort of, you know, youth, young adult kind of TV storytelling. So yeah, I'm all in with you. I think I'm really, really hopeful that that one makes its way through development to a formal announcement and that we get we get another TV show. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the more the merrier. Just keep throwing them at me. I'm all good. You got it. And I, I think you're exactly right. You know, if you didn't grow up on Star Trek or you haven't been binge watched all the, the shows like so many of us have, you know, some of these heavier dramas are harder to get into, especially if you don't get a lot of the the references and nods to the franchise as a whole. But 
it sounds like this could be a really, you know, nice, light, easily digestible uh, introduction that who knows may bring people in deeper into the fold. You know, maybe after watching this, they'll they'll get more into the classics that we all know and love. And like I said, I think it'll just be a, a great balance for for the uh, the action, serious drama thrillers that we're loving in disco and 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 hopefully soon with Picard. So. I hope they make it. Absolutely. So my theory this week relates to Section 31's appearance in Star Trek Discovery. And actually goes back to a conversation that I had with, I can't remember who my guest was, we were talking about the Discovery episode Point of Light, which was the first reference to Control, which at the time I had thought was at least inspired by David Mack's novel, Section 31 Control, in which it had been revealed that Section 31 was controlled by an artificial intelligence that had secretly been responsible for guiding the activities of this covert organization that had helped sort of set up and keep the Federation alive at really important times. And and, and actually it had a really pivotal role to play throughout the entire history of the Federation. And we didn't really have, we've not really gotten until this week a good sense of what control is in Star Trek Discovery. And this week they did kind of mentioned that it was an artificial intelligence. And we know that if you saw the preview in next week's episode, there is, uh, they are continuing further down the Section 31 storyline. And there was nothing in the preview that kind of, that, that said that this was going to happen. But I think they're going to continue exploring that artificial intelligence line. Probably not in the same way that David Mack did in his novel, not least because that was a Deep Space Nine novel that starred Julian Bashir, and that artificial intelligence was secret, whereas we had two characters, uh, Leland and Giorgio, talking about it this week. So it's really not a secret in the Discovery timeline, at least for members of Section 31. But I think Star Trek is designed to is supposed to be telling us stories that reflect the situation and some of the questions that we are grappling with in our society at the moment, and artificial intelligence is one of those. So I think that there's going to be an AI kind of subplot to this story as it develops over time, and that will give us an opportunity to do some of that Star Trek grappling with an issue that you know, we are really struggling with in the modern day. So that's my theory for this week. Jessica, what do you think about that? I love it. What could be more classic sci-fi than AI getting out of our control? You know, it's like Skynet's going to take over <laughs> the Federation. Um, I I love the Section 31 plotline and I get why some people, you know, feel how come it's so secret up until Discovery and everyone sees the badge and know who it is? But that's why I like it. It's something that's been hinted about in, in a few of the Star Trek shows, but now we're, we're really diving into it. And I think it serves as such a great foil because, you know, the great thing about Star Trek is it's so optimistic and it really does highlight the best in humanity winning out. But ultimately that can be a little too cotton candy because we as humans, we aren't that perfect. And so I love that the Federation has a dark side. I think the dynamics we're seeing now with, with Pike and Lilo are, are really awesome. Um, I think they're going to dive into that more. And what I liked about tonight's disco episode is that we're really seeing the emperor. She's really making a play for power in section 31, which I think is really going to tie into the spin off show that she's not playing by the rules. She's not submitting to the captain. She's digging up dirt. She's already 
wheeling and dealing. So I'm excited to see how that plays out and how they spin her off into her own show. I think she's a great character and there could not be a better backdrop for how they've set her character up in, in the show. So much to look forward to. Do you have a theory or wish for Discovery or the future of the franchise that you'd like to share? Tweet them to me at Weekly Trek and I might feature your theory in a future episode. Well, that's all the time we've got for this on this week's episode of Weekly Trek. Thank you so much to my guest, Jessica Schaffalo, for joining me today. Jessica, how can people contact you if they want to continue the conversation? You can find me at Jessica Schaffalo on Twitter. That's where I'm talking to a lot of fellow Star Trek fans. Or you can find me on Instagram at Troubles with Tribbles. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to tell you guys, I actually booked my ticket for Star Trek Las Vegas this year. Uh, oh, yay! It's coming together for me. Uh, you know, different different pieces came together that I'm going to be able to make it. So if you're going to be there, please don't hesitate to reach out. Let me know. I'm going to do a lot of the meetups, and I'm hoping to meet more and more people in person there later this year. Oh, that's fabulous. Well, I look forward to meeting you there. Wonderful. Thanks so much for having me, Alex. Of course. You could find this show on Twitter at Weekly Trek and me at Alexander T. Perry. And if you enjoy the show, please consider leaving us a five-star review on your podcast player of choice. And please check out some of the other great shows on the Tricorder Transmissions. And if you like our shows, please consider also becoming a Patreon of Tricorder, which you can find at patreon.com slash the Tricorder Transmissions. And lastly, if you're looking for Star Trek news on the internet, I hope you will turn to trekcore.com. Well, thank you, Jessica. Thank you to my listeners. And until next week, live long and prosper.